the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, August 18th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. I've got Mr. Bill to my north, and I have David Dahl, my producer, to my west for all points in between, including those, all the cardinal points. If you want to join the call, it is 602. Join the show. It is 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. A little bit of a different show today in that... uh, I didn't want to start with a monologue. I was going to uh, until I, um, I, I, I discovered something or was shown something. I didn't discover it on my own. It was shown to me that um, is a class. It's not a class. It's a semester of political skill, rhetoric, comfort with yourself, and knowing how to present the conservative case. You know, many times I have spoken about conservatives or Republicans that go on shows they're not prepared for and think they can just, you know, win things over by being decent or playing to the audience, and um, they get clobbered, and they embarrass us, and they don't move the ball forward, and that it's always a high-risk proposition. Once in a while, you'll see a politician or a leader that can do it. And we'll do it and do it well. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy is a very good example. He goes to a lot of shows that are antagonistic toward him um, within the Republican Party, within the conservative movement, and with the left. And he's never been scarred from what I can tell. You can like or dislike what he has to say, but he's never walked out with his head held anything but high. Someone who hasn't been getting as many invites as Vivek is Larry Elder. And it's too bad. I hope he gets more. He will take more. But he went on a show this week that was hostile territory. And he maintained for an hour plus an onslaught from three inquisitors. You guys may know this show. I, I, I hate the name of it because I just I just don't like the name of it. But it's called The Breakfast Club, hosted by Charlemagne the God. And I don't know how they spell any part of that outside of Breakfast and Club. This is the show. It's very popular in, uh, in, certain, uh, in certain parts of the country and in certain communities. Very hugely popular. If you need a reminder, this is the show where Joe Biden, during the campaign of 20... 20 said at the very end, this being a, sh- uh, a show hosted by, by a black man, an African-American male, Charlemagne, um, Joe Biden got up at the end of the interview, you will recall, and said to him, uh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. If that rings a bell, it's that show. And um, it's the same show Kamala Harris has gone on. And uh, anyway, they get a lot of big draws and they invited Larry Elder on. And uh, I don't know if they told him it was going to be three against one, but it was. And he walked out of there having schooled them 
for an hour plus, the entirety of the show. Um, there was one particular inquisitor of his. I, I can't, for the life of me, figure out who she is, but a uh, female woman who was uh, increasingly tough on Larry, particularly on the notion that he will, not, he will not admit to, he will not state, he does not believe that there is systemic racism in this country. Racism, sure, can't eliminate all sin or all evil in the hearts of all men and women, but systemic, no. And that's been a big point and part of his uh, career and belief system for many, many years. She was having none of it. And in her continual inquisition of him and interruptions of him, two other things we talk about on this show were illustrated. Uh, One, invincible ignorance, notion we've talked about before. Nothing you say, sometimes with some people, will ever convince them, no matter how bleedingly obviously right you are. And the other is, with her continual redounding to this notion— and repeated use of the phraseology of systemic racism, she's not making an argument. She is, however, engaging in what we have referred to, I think we got it from Hadley Arcus, exquisite rituals or sentiments of essential meaninglessness. Uh, I want to just play for you some of it, because there's nothing here that I could say that isn't said a million times better by Larry Elder, or is taught and illustrated a million times better Larry Elder. This is one of the many moments of her arguing with him about systemic racism. Black do people I, are not do, in charge of, by the way, do I, of not wanting to hold both sides accountable when it comes to the system. Do I believe Hillary was treated differently? And Joe oh, Biden yes. Let me say this. She, she's, she's asking, do you not believe that people can be treated differently? And she's trying to wedge that into the notion that because people are treated differently, there is systemic racism, that is to say racism within the system. That treats races differently. She's conflating a few things. You'll see how he deals with it. Trump is being treated. Yes, I do. Is that an indictment about whether or not America is systemically racist? No, it is not. Those are two, they're, they're two, totally two different, two different things. things. Yes, you're, yes, you're trying are. to merge the two, but they're two totally different things. I agree with you. The two different things. No, no, we're, we're agreeing. We're agreeing the two different things. We're agreeing. No, we're agreeing the two different things. We're not agreeing that there's not systematic racism because we're not in charge of the system, sir. In case you okay, unfamiliar, okay, all right, all right. Can we, can we? Black can people we, have never been in charge of any system. Well, we're not actually, even actually, that actually, bank. We, actually, we have been. Take Baltimore. No, we're, we're, no, we've never been in charge. May, of may any I finish? System. Any? No. Tell me what financial system are black people in okay, charge of? Let, what take, healthcare system are black people in charge of? What government system are black people I'm, in charge I'm, I'm of? I'm about to tell you. What prison system are black? No, black people. I'm ready to tell you. I'm not talking about mayors. I already know that talk talking point, sir. I go on Fox News all the time as well. So let's not let's not go there with that. I said, what system have we created? Goodness. Have we implemented that we have been in charge of? Name one. Is this why you don't like talking to black women? Black Can you imagine he said that? Can you imagine that Charlemagne said that? Wow. Um, Baltimore. <laughs> uh, Freddie Gray a few years no, no, ago. No, no, no. That's mayors. I'm not talking. I said system. I'm Remember going to like tell you system. about this system if you allow me to finish my point. I'm not talking about somebody elected and doing a job, sir. I asked what system did we create? What financial system Okay, let's system talk about the create? system of one yeah, of the largest. Him, point, thank you. Then. One of the systems of one of the largest uh, uh, cities in America, Baltimore. Uh, Freddie Gray died in police custody a few years ago. Uh, the mayor was black. The head of the police department was black. Number two. Uh, it's not person. in charge of the system. But go ahead. Number two person in charge of the police department was black. All Still of, not in all charge of the all system. city council, Democrats, majority black. Six, Still not in charge of the system. Wow. Six, That's a op- position. six officers charged. Three of them were black. 
A judge before whom two of the officers tried their case found him not guilty, was black. Still uh, not the, in charge of the, the system. The uh, city uh, uh, intendant of public schools was black. The county superintendent of public schools is black. Uh, the attorney general at the time, Loretta Lynch, is black, as was the president of the United States, was black. And yet, Still not people, in charge of the system. So I, I just got to pause right there. What is she talking about with regard to system? If you have the mayor, if you have the deputy mayor, if you have the chief of police, if you have the deputy chief of police, if you have the city superintendent of schools and the county superintendent of schools, and if you have the attorney general and the president of the United States, what does she want for system? Who's in control? A system obviously has to have leverage and levers of control. This is what I'm talking about when I say invincible ignorance. It goes on. Well, 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 Wanda Sykes said uh, when when uh, when Barack Obama got elected, how are you going to complain about the man when you are the man? Now, from the president to the attorney general to the state attorney uh, to the mayor to the head of the police department uh, to the commissions of the schools in the city and in the county uh, to the majority of city council in that city, all of them are black. And you're still saying that we don't run anything? So who's in charge of the no, system? No, no, no. I, I said who created the system. I didn't say we didn't run anything. I, I challenge a lot of <laughs> those black leaders, by the way. About? I said who, when we talk about the system, who, what black people have been in charge of any system? I'm not talking about a position. I'm not talking about a mayor. You know, when you are talking about one of the biggest cities in the country, and you have the mayor, the deputy mayor, the chief of police, the deputy chief of police, the superintendent of schools in the city and in the state, and if you want, in the beltway, as it is, an attorney general and a president of the United States, and the officers, half the officers involved in that incident with Freddie Gray, also all black Americans, all African Americans, what more power levers are there? What more systemic power can possibly exist? What more can possibly exist? Does she need a dog catcher? I don't even know if Baltimore elects dog catchers. Invincible. Help this man get on the debate stage. He did such noble work here. I'll play you a little more if you want. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. This is my... Uh this is my and Dagny's favorite Charlie Pride song. Bill's nodding. He remembers. I used to tell the story when Dagny was a little pup. I used to sing this song to her for whatever reason. It got her raised up on country music, I suppose. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. David is calling in from Phoenix. Hi, David. Are you there? Do I, do I have you, David? You yeah, now I can. There yes. you go. Great. I apologize. No, it's all right. Hey, so I was just calling in... Uh, because I was just finally tuned in after getting kids from school. Uh, just tuned into your show, and I wanted to respond. I think you have a great question. Um, here you have, you know, one of the greatest talk show hosts, aside from yourself, you know, making a great argument uh, about, hey, you know, all these members were, were black. So, and she keeps referring to the system. Yeah. And you're saying, what is it that she's referring to? And that is a revelation of, the evil side, I'm sorry, of the extreme left, uh, in a sense that here what you have is that it goes back to the original foundation of the country. Our country, everything in the system was, was created by slave owners. Even though the models and canons of a free democratic 
society, a constitutional republic. I mean, the most brilliant work of a social fabric and justice in the world occurs. But just because, just because it was the color and, 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 and what was acceptable back then, not that it should have been, but we can get into that in a completely different you know, discussion. But the point is that it's this system. And you see, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, no matter how much evidence you throw at her and how much you explain that color is not relevant, it, no matter what, it always will be. And what you're seeing, that is the system response. David, you're, you're raising an interesting point, and it comes with it an interesting auxiliary, which is if you, when she says, find me a place where we've been in charge, which was her predicate question, where we've been in charge of the system— And he gave her one of the nation's largest cities, Baltimore, as but one example. And he gave her the mayor, the deputy mayor, the chief of police, the deputy chief of police, two school superintendents. And um, and uh, not only that, but at a time with a black attorney general and a black president of the United States or an African-American, whatever is the uh, most appropriate terminology there. And she's not convinced. She's not accepting that that's a power structure, that that's a governing power structure. If, right. if that's not acceptable – oh, and he also gave, gave the city council, right? Uh, if that's Correct. not um, a, 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 a power structure or a systemic-wide power structure, nothing is, which is to say Correct. there is – and this is, I think, the auxiliary point of yours that's so key here. That is to say there is never going to be an end – that will satisfy her complaint. There will never be an achievement or a level of achievement or a level of success or a level of overcoming any number of, let us say, racial uh, uh, racial quota fills, race, racial fillings of quotas that will ever satisfy, ever, ever, no matter what. And that means that this never ends and we are in the realm of permanent revolution, Marxist permanent revolution. That, that, that's correct. And, and there, it, the constant enemy between the color of people's skin, as we know, which has been used by the left forever and will continue to be used by them, that it, with that argument, you successfully you destroy everything. I mean, it would be to use an analogy. It would be a situation where um, if you're Jewish and you hate the Germans because, right, of, of the annihilation of over six million, right, of fellow Jews, and you hate German, so you're not going to, while you'll use a German medicine that makes you, you know, cure cancer, even though it is probably a wonderful solution to the entire world, like our Constitution, no matter what, no matter what you'll have, You'll have anger and resentment, and you'll call into question the medicine that can solve and, and help the world. And it, it, it's just it, it, this. Can I? This uh, that, that, that's an interesting analog in and of itself. Um, an analogy in and of itself. Are you? Are, do you happen to be Jewish, by the way, David? All, only on the Sabbath. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's really interesting. That's interesting too. You practice the Sabbath, though you're not Jewish. Like Charlie. Well, Kirk. I don't think uh, you know. I, I hate to tell you, but the days of identification have have run their course. Fair enough. The reason I, I ask, the larger point. Reason I ask. It, th- there was a reason I asked. I um, I don't know Jewish people. 
that hate Germans. I know Jewish people that hate the Germans of the 1930s and 1940s. I know Jewish people that hate what Nazi Germany was and what Germans did during World War II and the years leading up to it. I don't know Jews who today hate Germans. Qua Germans. Qua Germans. Today. Not, Not today. But you have to realize that since 45, many American Jews or many Jews around the world had such animosity against the Germans. Okay, so I am aware of that, and there were obviously, we all know families that perhaps were loath to purchase a Mercedes, let us say, or a BMW, let us say, for a maybe, maybe a generation or so, maybe a generation or so, but... Correct, but but here's here's what changed, here's what changed, and here's what can help the woman who doesn't believe in the system. What changed was that over time, we learned as people that... We can't hate the Germans for what they did and simply throw everything out. Oh, you can't hate today's Germans for what Germans did 80 years ago. Or even whatever it may be, because the point was the Germans killed a million Jews, two million Jews. There were German Jews. So in other words, people came to realize that their arguments for hating people or disliking things or claiming that the system is wrong and all is all because that woman unfortunately is a product of the left has been inculcated with what the left has been trying to do since post-world war ii and all we can do is have these radio shows teach our children improve the school systems fight in you know in the courtroom fight at the uh, at, during elections and do what we can do but it's it's definitely a tough battle, and and God help her, God help that woman that she actually is that blind. Yeah. Now is the blindness intentional, or is it just what it is? And unfortunately, we don't have time to figure that right, out. Right. All we have time for is is the kids. You, you know? know what I thought you might say too, and maybe you'll agree with this in addition. When you say God help her for being that blind, God help her for being that hateful. Yes. Well, yeah. Blindness leads to hate. Fair enough. Absolutely. Fair enough. Interesting call, David. You contributed a lot to my thinking, and I know our listeners as well. Thank you, sir. Have a great, well, have a great Sabbath, as you said you observe it. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Here to uh, Things Noble Touch the Soul, I bring you the sad news that uh, James L. Buckley has passed away, former United States Senator, one-term senator from New York, age 100, uh, one-term senator, um, one of the uh, one of the um, one of the greatest Senate staffs in history, included Cato Byrne and others who would later go on to work for National Review. A brother of William Buckley, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, ends that line. Ends that. I mean, there are children, nephews, and nieces but ends that line of siblings. I think he was the last sibling of William F. Buckley's uh, to uh, be alive until he passed today. Uh, He succeeded um, in an election, a senator named uh, Charles Gooding, I think his name was, who was appointed after Robert Kennedy's death, and he was ultimately defeated uh, in his reelection campaign by uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Um, who, yes, would have defeated him in 1976. That sounds right, yes. 
great line out of that campaign was when James Buckley heard that Moynihan was running for president. He kept speaking of him as Professor Moynihan, Harvard Professor Moynihan, Dr. Moynihan of Harvard. And uh, someone, one reporter asked <laughs> Professor Moynihan, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, uh, what he thought of um, Jim Buckley's continual references to his Ph.D. and his Harvard faculty appointment. And Moynihan said, I see the mudslinging has already begun. <laughs> okay. Rest in peace, uh, James Buckley. Great judge appointed to the federal bench by Ronald Reagan. And the named uh, plaintiff in one of the uh, uh, most famous Supreme Court cases of all time, Buckley v. Vallejo. We'll keep a good thought for that family. All right, where am I going to next? William in Phoenix. Hello, William. Hi. I was um, interested to know if you don't understand the system she's talking about. Okay. But she kept bringing it up. Yeah. The system, the system. Yeah. And uh, obviously, she has an idea of what a system is. And, you, and there's been systems that have been, you know, obviously she's, Probably mostly talking about the banking and other systems, but wouldn't that be where the, where he would have went? I guess I'm not following your question. Where where would he okay, have went? So where should he have went? She asked where so, she her question throughout the interview. She was talking about there being systemic racism and his denying it. At one point, she asked him the part we played. She asked him. Um, what system have we ever run? And then she listed off several, one of them including governance. And he said, I'll give you a system. I'll give you the, one of the biggest cities in America. He then went on to do some others, but he was using the example of Baltimore as one. Okay. But, but he, he could have used others. He could have done up. Chicago. I think he did later in the interview yeah. go through Chicago. Okay. Well, I think she's he, talking setting up a system. Okay. And so you have a mayor. I beg and your pardon? Sometimes the mayor can change things or yeah. total revolt or or again. I'm just saying that she's been obviously indoctrinated. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what some, the setting up of the fall. system means. What does the setting up of the system mean? Well, from there, they're told, you know, just like the, the fact that they were in David Hole Lows in the 60s. Okay. Levertown and other places. Yeah, okay. Or the fact that, you know, when you look at that, that they're living in right now, black-owned businesses have been devastated by COVID. Yes. Brutally. Yes. And when you talk to a Democrat, and I work in an industry yeah, yeah. with them, so they talk all the time. And they, you know, they, they're, uh, it's a unique system to me because it's like... I understand that uh, point. The, the, the devastation of the black-owned businesses is an interesting one, actually. Uh, I think we both would agree, I, I, I would think we'd have to agree, everyone would have to agree, that the black-owned businesses that were devastated by the shutdowns, that was not due to systemic racism. That was due by systemic leftism. Yeah, well, we, we might Had agree. nothing to do with race, right? No, we might, we might agree. I would have a <laughs> I would have a hard time believing that there would be a, uh, maybe I'm wrong and maybe you're right I would have a hard time believing that there are African Americans who believe that black owned businesses that were harmed due to shutdowns were harmed due to shutdowns because of racism but you're right gosh knows if she can believe what she believes maybe people will believe anything Fair enough, I suppose. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960 on this open line Fridays. Let's go to Rick in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Howdy, Seth. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, sir. Hey, that was a good non-monologue, and I appreciate the discussion you had with David and William. Yes, sir. Thank you for shedding, uh, putting a spotlight on what I believe is a very important and deep-seated problem in our culture that has tentacles running everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that the Obamas let the cat out of the bag after he was elected to the presidency. Okay. When Michelle said, for the first time in my life, I'm proud to be an American. Yeah. And actually, when, she said that after he won the primaries, actually. It was a primary, okay. not even the general. Right, right, okay. right, 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 right. Yeah. And Which makes it actually more insidious, and I'll tell you why in a moment, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. And Barack Hussein, when he said, now we began the fundamental transformation yep. Yep. of America. Yep. I don't think I've ever heard anyone really delve into those two statements mm-hmm. to see what the origin origin and the insidiousness of those statements actually is yeah. or are yeah no you're right um, the fundamental transformation of course is a is, is a frightening thought um, mm-hmm. that you would fundamentally transform this is not a man unskilled with language right. uh, v- very certainly fundamental means something important uh, and well, we have to do that yeah. because of the Yep. racism. Yep, yep, yep. That's exactly right. The first time in my adult life I'm really proud of my country was after um, after uh, Obama won, I believe it was the Wisconsin primary. And the reason I say that it's worse than even the general um, is because it ties her and her husband's success to pride in the country, not anyone else's. Why would you be only proud of the country if you can be in charge of it or if you can defeat someone? It's a very, very odd construction. That's not a definition of patriotism or pride in country anyone had ever heard of before. You're only proud of the country up to the point in which you become successful. Usually pride in country is about something bigger than yourself. Yes. In fact, it reveals... A deep-seated hatred, I believe. It's not love. Country. It's not love of country. It's not love of country. It's not. It's love of power. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, a, a deep-seated hatred that has been fostered through an education. And you put your finger on this the other day when you said the most important uh, segment that we need to focus on is education. We have an education system that for 30, 40, maybe 50 years or more has been uh, planting these seeds in young minds. Yes, of course. It's awful. And now you see the result of it in that woman who is blathering all over Larry Elter. That's the result of this education system. And, Seth, I'm not a betting man. But I would bet you a million dollars that I could point you to many blacks who believe that the 
uh, failure of black businesses during the shutdown was only due to systemic racism. Really? Really? Well, think about this. You and I look at Detroit and Chicago and San Francisco, and we say that's leftism. They look at those cities and they say, oh, that's systemic racism. Cities, again, that are black-led and black-run. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay. (laughs) All right, yeah. Well, invincible ignorance, okay. Yeah, that's... I don't know how you can have racism when the people are electing... Uh, member, uh, uh, electing leadership that are members of the race that's claiming racism. Well, I just that, don't understand it. I agree with you completely. But it, but it is, as you say, invincible ignorance. Yeah. It, is, it is doing the very thing that is leading to your destruction, and yet... You, you it's know, sad. It, it's it, sad because it means that there's no reason left. Or right. there's no ability to reason. There's no re- where, ability to discuss. There's no ability to change happen? a mind or open a mind. Yeah. And where did that happen? In the education system. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How were they taught to think yes, or sir. not to think? Yes, sir. You know the old story of the lemmings. How the lemmings just run over the cliff. Yeah. They just follow those who are ahead of them. They just run over the cliff to their destruction. Yes, Yes, yes. It's sad. But this is, I, I think you have, I, this is a really, really important subject because it has so many implications. Well, it was interesting to me. I heard some other clips of, of Larry on that show, on some other radio shows. I I'd not heard this one, but it, the other clips led me to listen to the whole thing. When I heard that one, I said, okay, this six minutes illustrates everything. Yeah, uh, Sebastian Gorka played uh, a segment of uh, the interview that, in which uh, Larry just really nailed Charlemagne, uh, a, 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 talking about, uh, you know, remember when Joe Biden said, uh, if, if you yeah. don't vote for me, you, you ain't, ain't black. black. And, yeah. and yeah. Uh, I mean, Larry just really nailed him to the wall. Yeah. It, was, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was. It was, yeah. Oh, you heard that too. I heard you? the whole yeah. thing. I heard yes, the whole right, interview. Right. It's about an hour, 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I hadn't heard the whole thing. I've only heard bits and pieces. Yes, sir. So that, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hope you have a happy Friday. By Thank the way, yes. I saw Jaws last night. For the first time? No, no. Okay. Uh, okay. I've seen it before. I watched the uh, 007 movie, The Spy Who Loved Me. Yes. And you'll remember that one of the henchmen, the, ma- the main bad guy in Jaws. the movie yes. is Jaws. Oh, that's the movie the you saw. Uh-huh. Uh, Roger Keel, Robert Keel, Roger Keel. Some, <laughs> Richard Keel. Richard Keel, I believe right. his name Rich, was. That's right. <laughs> He was in that, and he was in Moonraker. That's right. That's right. Yeah, 77, 79. So you watched The Spy Who Loved Me, yeah. not the Robert Shaw yeah, so, movie. So tell David, you know, if he just doesn't want to watch Jaws, he can watch The Spy Who Loved Me. Which would have been named after the Spielberg movie. <laughs> Had to have been. Yes. Yeah, that's right. David is that's being true. recalcitrant and refractory by not watching Jaws. And contumacious. Yeah, I'm, what? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, Two brother. R's and a C. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. David and I and a friend had dinner last night at um, at uh, Georgian Dragon. Speaking of cultural references, and a friend of mine had wanted to meet David, and he was fondly remembering 
in his younger and more vulnerable years, how he would cruise up and down Central, stopping at various spots to, you know, meet friends and that sort of thing. Hang out, I suppose. He saw David's car, which is a classic, and it reminded him that he thinks David should take us in his car and we should relive glory days and cruise up and down Central, maybe ending up at Durant's. That was his thought. I like that idea. Okay, we'll be right back. Bank failure, stock market volatility, speculation of a recession, obvious inflation here and now. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve? Any of that stuff. Why Refi has one. They have an investment in a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. They're based here locally. They encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road in 101. I've been. I encourage you to go, too. And you won't get a sales pitch or asked to sign anything. But when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust them and like them so much, and you can, too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. Don is in Phoenix. Hello, Don. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'd like to make an obvious... Oh, good. Thanks. I'd like to make an obvious point. Um, If this country was truly systemically racist, uh, President Obama would have been treated like President Trump was... (laughs) In his turn, um, it would have been all hands on deck to try to get rid of him, get him out of office, and destroy him, and torment him till no end. And, yeah, I think that's the best argument. Yeah, well, no, it's a fair point. I mean, you obviously can see what tools can be used to do it, and um, they have been used, obviously, uh, against Republicans, but no, obviously. It's a very... I don't know that that's an obvious point, as you say it is, Don, but it's a very good point. So thank you for it. Much appreciated. Yeah. You bet. Oh. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. No, there is, a, there is a separate set of standards going on here, um, and they're not race-based. They're not race-based. They're politically based. And race can be used and affixed to political charges and defenses and accusations and it's gutter politics. Playing the race card is gutter politics. Larry's point is we should have been well and long past this because for most Americans, we are well and long past this. And frankly, good riddance. Most of us are happy about that. Most of us wanted to be beyond this. Shame on those who want to keep the nostalgia de la vue and dragging us into the ditch of these things. We're better than that. Or we should be. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.